listening to The Sister Drill with Danai and Kiveli. Hello and welcome back to The Sister Drill. I'm Danai. And I'm Kiveli. And today is kind of a premiere for us because it's the first time ever that we are recording the podcast remotely. So uh, a lot of thought went into this and we are definitely not technical experts. So we uh, did some trial recordings when we were at home and now we've set up the system that we think will work, but let's hope that it actually works. Yeah, so I'm currently in our home in Berlin preparing for a concert that I'm playing uh, this weekend in Aachen and Denai is right now in the USA because she has a tour in the USA and I think you're, where are you right now? I'm, I'm still in, in Chicago, but I'm flying Chicago, out to right. Michigan today. Okay, well, so uh, yeah, so Danai is in the USA and then we'll meet up Tuesday evening because then on Wednesday we have a photo shoot together. That, uh, yeah, so we're doing that in on Wednesday back in Berlin. So, yeah, let's see how this is going to be. I'm very, uh, you know, I'm very curious to see how the editing process is going to be for this one. Yeah, me too. And, <laughs> and I'm you excited. guys should know that Kiveli is our editor. Kiveli is the one that should get the, the creditor for the editing, uh, the, the credits for the editing. So, uh, very reluctantly. I'm the editor very reluctantly. Because <laughs> I, and I have to say, technical stuff really is not the thing I thrive on or that gives me a particular... Uh, uh, kick of joy but um, I'm very excited to see if this works out and it like it, then you know we can record podcast episodes significantly easier now that like our concerts have taken off together and it's not corona time anymore where we're at home all the time exactly so yeah, yeah. Um, be before we start this episode um, let's start with what we disagreed on this phase yes <laughs> this yeah. summer I don't know <laughs> yeah so sh shall I go first or do you yeah want sure okay Okay, well, my, my what we disagreed on is very closely connected to what we're doing right now. Oh, yeah. Um, I mean, did you say that already last time we had we'd done a pause well, or something? Yeah, that's true. That's true. Because as you've obviously noticed, we haven't recorded a podcast in many months. And what we disagreed on, it's not basically that we disagreed on recording it, but it's that we, I felt like... I was always the one pushing, trying to record it. And I felt that mm -hmm. Kiveli was a bit mm -hmm. reluctant. And there are many layers to it. So one is, of course, the whole technical thing that we just touched on. That, um, as Kiveli said, we're now traveling so much. And it's very hard for us to even find an hour together where it's silent and we're not on a train, for example, or on a plane. So it was very hard to find time to record the podcast. And so um, I had brought up this idea of recording it remotely pretty early on, but I felt like it was met with not so much enthusiasm, but a lot of skepticism. And and that's just a disagreement that we had because I, I, I just felt like there was not even an openness to it. It was just, oh, it's too hard because, of course, yes, you do the editing, which I get. So you're on the re receiving end of the difficulties. But it was like, oh, it's too hard. No. And then somehow we kept pushing it, pushing it forward. And I mean, it wasn't that much it. that I thought it was, objectively speaking, too hard. The only thing was that I knew that... If we like, I, I what I wanted was that before we recorded, uh, uh, like before we invested energy in recording an episode remotely, we would have already 
settled how we're going to edit it, which is what we ended up doing. Like instead of because every time you said, let's record an episode, I'm like, yeah, but how am I going to edit it? Let's first figure out the editing process. And then once we figured it out, let's start recording, which is, you know, what we actually yeah. ended up doing. Yeah. So, um, and I must say, I'm yeah. even happier now. I'm now after this whole pause, I'm so excited to be recording. <laughs> I mean, so, it. so it, the, my, my disagreement is tied to happiness now because it's fine. The mode is finally there. Um, yeah, actually, to be honest, I, I'm, I'm struggling to find a thing we disagreed on because actually in the in the last week we had um, a kind of, you know, at this point rare because you have two little kids, a kind of a week of a lot of like conversations and, and, and not at all disagreements, just genuinely furthering and growing conversations about uh, things that are currently on my mind and things that maybe are in your mind. So I'm like more in this mode of wow how like enriching our relationship is <laughs> rather than focusing on like small small or rather than, than than having like in my mind any particular thing that we disagreed on so I'm, I'm kind of struggling to find one thing but um i'm sure i'll be i'll be back with a disagreement next time so uh, okay, but good. for now good. i want to take the chance more to to um highlight the enriching nature of our relationship because that's that. what's currently in the forefront of my mind wow, wow. yeah love that the ideal <laughs> sister okay <laughs> so um yeah so let's get into today's uh, theme um so actually you you brought it up yesterday it was kind of spontaneous and i think it's very much on the nose of something i'm also very much involved in thinking about right now which is generally i think the topic of motivation how to motivate um yourself when you have a lot of things to do, maybe also the dangers of procrastinating uh, or how to avoid procrastinating. I think we both, since we, you know, even still when we went to school, we had to, you know, juggle playing the piano and uh, trying to get good grades in school in order to be able to miss school. So, uh, so you know, we, I think we have a lot of experience with uh, high-pressure performing and um, ideally excelling, which requires, of course, discipline and motivation. However, we are very different in our approach to discipline and motivation. Uh, in essence, you have significantly more discipline than I do, which is quite interesting. <laughs> um, so it would be, yeah, it would be interesting to to talk about it. I mean, it's something that we've spoken about a lot, giving each other advice, I think, to complete maybe each other's deficiencies when it comes to this to this. Um, topic so how about maybe do you want to give an overview on like what motivates you maybe something that you've struggled with in motivation or maybe you have not struggled with <laughs> and then I can give you my perspective as I think I'm definitely the one stereotypically more challenged by discipline and procrastination and things like that than you yeah well I think that when I thought of the subject motivation I was thinking also that motivation and discipline are very often used interchangeably, but I don't think they necessarily are the same thing because it's mm. one thing to be disciplined mm -hmm. and it's another mm -hmm. one to be motivated. So I mm. think that's maybe an mm -hmm. interesting difference to make because um, I think you can be a very disciplined person but not really feel any motivation at all and that also mm. probably will show in the result yeah. because I feel like you're yeah. a very motivated person actually. Um, mm, where you mm -hmm. say maybe our approaches to discipline are different, but I feel like the <laughs> the motivation is um, there for you. But we can we can get to that uh, later. Um, yeah, no, actually, but actually, you know, because what you said, it's, I've never thought about it that way, and it immediately 
uh, sparked a thought very closely connected to also a video I sent you a couple of days ago about how mm -hmm. our body generates dopamine and, and what you can do to kind of um, use your dopamine, dopaminergic system to your favor. Um, and I think that, that, that discipline is kind of, and I've heard that definition before, discipline is doing something you hate, but doing it like you love it. Mm -hmm. And um, motivation is, I think, very closely tied to your perspective on something, like something that excites you. Might, you know, it might be easier to motivate yourself for something that excites you. And I think that the key to kind of using motivation um, in order to, to be disciplined, so being motivated in things that you don't actually naturally find exciting or enjoy, is trying to find a narrative or, or a perspective to, to feel motivated for something that you might not naturally, you know, super enjoy. Yeah. And it's f in finding this perspective and finding the narrative that I think that, you know, some people struggle, at least. And, and I, th I think that's always something that I remember you... Ever since I, 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 you know, I remember even thinking about this concept of discipline, even I remember when we were really young, when we were like, I don't know, 11 or 12, maybe you were like 13 and I was nine. So, you know, at a time where definitely practicing is still a very ambivalent activity in the sense of like, ah, oh, you actually want to also do other things, but you have to practice. And I remember I was always very honest about Definitely at that point, I mean, this has changed since, but at that point I was already like, I don't like practicing, but I really like performing. Mm -hmm. And I understand that practicing is the necessary evil yeah. in a way in order to then, you know, be a good performer. And that's how I, I got through, you know, having to practice for many years, especially when I was younger. And I remember you even then, and I don't know how far it was true or how far it was this narrative you created to generate motivation to be disciplined. You were always saying, you know, you know what, actually I enjoy practicing. Mm -hmm. I like practicing i like doing this and this and that and and i was like but it's so you know you do it you know and, and yeah, yeah. you do the same thing again and again and some practicing is nice but some isn't and you were always maintaining this no i actually really like it and you were always you had this instinctive approach to molding the narrative and the perspective you had in order to find joy in whatever the circumstances were in the moment which i think is a you know kind of a a shortcut to discipline yeah it's true that as far as I can think back, I've always felt kind of naturally motivated to do things. I always felt that the the simple fact of being in a process that ensures, you know, go, taking steps forward and getting closer mm. to a goal, whatever that goal may be, whether it's practicing for a concert or whether it's, I don't know, preparing for an exam at school, uh, no matter what it is, being in a process and feeling that I'm taking these steps forward uh was very satisfying to me and that was like a natural thing for you like that's not something that i mean yeah I, I i guess yeah because as far as i can think back i found this whole concept amazing and <laughs> what i'm what i'm thinking of right now is it also made me feel very much in control this concept mm. makes me feel in control because i am mm. taking the steps i i am the person that controls how you know how much i progress or and connected to that how much mm. i succeed so it's a process that's very much controlled by me which is i think something mm. that always has resonated with my mm -hmm. personality and mm -hmm. um and it's something that 
you know, is very logical in my brain. You know, I exercise mm -hmm. more, I get more fit. Or with ballet, I stretch more, mm -hmm. I can do the splits. I practice more, I get better yeah. at piano. And this has always been how I've approached things, always. Yeah. And of course, I think that, and, and this is, you know, I, this is a, one of the things I always, you know, kind of also envied you for growing up, that I, I saw that it wasn't, it was like, it, it was natural to you. And I also saw that it was, I mean, effortless would be unfair to say it was effortless because mm -hmm. still, of course, you do sit down, you go through the grind, but it was definitely much more effortless than what it felt like it, you know, it was for me. Because most people, and I mean, definitely, and I say most people just based on, you know, many of my friends around me or many of, uh, you know, people I've spoken to about that have, you know, this problem with, with procrastinating. And procrastinating is this idea that, you know that, for example, if you exercise, you're going to get fitter. You know that. It's not that for some reason you kind of don't know that the proportional nature of the more you exercise, the fitter you get, the more you practice, yeah. the better you get, all of these things. But for some reason, there is this huge effort that, needs, that, that, that is perceived to actually start doing the activity and such huge sense of reward connected with doing something that gives you instant pleasure. Yeah, to, whether to it me, is I don't know eating or watching a yeah, video yeah. or I well, don't know. To me, you know? the way that I overcome this very obvious divide is this whole shift of perspective. I mean, as you know, we've talked about this very often. I'm very huge yeah. on shift of perspective, and it's my favorite quote ever by Aristotle, who says, "We <laughs> cannot change the direction that the wind comes from, but we can change the way we set up the sail." And this is exactly how I've always lived my life. You know, if the wind comes from the north, okay, then I'll set my sail in a way that it suits me. If it comes from the south, okay, then I'll take it off, you know. So I can mm -hmm. work with whichever circumstance comes. Again, of yeah. course, very much a perspective of, you know, being able to control what comes at you and not being helpless. Yeah. So whenever I was met with, um, let's say, you know, I want to procrastinate or something like that, for me, as soon as I took the first step and started, yeah. um, I yeah. found joy in the process. And I think that's maybe the difference. It's ne I never found the process exhausting, or I mean, it can be exhausting, but I never found it, you know, annoying. And I wasn't angry at the process. I wasn't angry yeah. at yeah. having yeah. to do this. I don't know, having to mm. clean, having to exercise, having to, having to practice. I was always mm. very positive about the process. And also today, if I think of even very simple things, you know, like cleaning the house, for example, it's something that gives me joy. It's not that I'm such a, you know, crazy person that just loves vacuuming. But when I vacuum, it just, it gives me joy because somehow I enjoy this process of getting to the clean house. I mean, I think you, you, you just get a lot of satisfaction from doing what you perceive to be the right thing, right? Yeah, I mean, right. cleaning, yeah, yeah. Uh, practicing, being fit, things like that, which I mean are, are... Yeah, and I mean, it's interesting because, I mean, the only way I can describe it for myself... I mean, I have, uh, in my like own uh, biography, <laughs> I would say also manage to to you know absolutely uh, have long-term goals succeed long-term goals in and for me I've always felt that I have been saved by my brain and by my abilities so what I've many many times encountered and now it's come to a point I know myself well enough that I try to remember all my successes from the past to not like get super stressed in moments where I know I've started something too late mm -hmm. or I have not done something that you know I, I remember this 
knowledge of, of how my system works started in school when I would start learning for exams ridiculously late and to a, and I remember I would panic and like what would basically uh, kickstart my motivation to start would in all fairness be panic mm-hmm. and then I would panic but then I, I realized and, and that is just something I don't know I thank whatever God my lucky stars <laughs> whatever you want for that within that panic I, I, I had I would say access to a side of myself that was above averagely able and and the above average refers to what I'm normally able versus to what I'm able mm-hmm. to in the sense of urgency urgency is maybe a better word than yes. panic because yes. panic you know but when the urgency is there I realized that I suddenly had access to above average version of my own abilities and then I always managed to still achieve the goal that I wanted to. Like yeah. to, to, to not have to compromise the quality of the result, although I most definitely compromised the quality of my preparation. Yeah. And I, 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 I in terms of the say, length of it. I, I do want to say that I, I really think that you are very uh, exceptional at this. I mean, I've seen it in all the different <laughs> fields, you know, and be, be it school, be it preparing for something, um, be it also in little detailed things. Um, you are like really these, this spike of uh, <laughs> energy that you then get and put into a thing um, is incredible. And I've also, when I was younger, I was always seeing it. I mean, I don't want to say jealous in a negative way, but I was thinking, mm. wow, you know, you are so lucky to be able mm. to do this because mm. I feel like I'm more the steady uh, learner, mm-hmm. you know, the one that does uh, regular training to get somewhere. And you actually do have, let's say, the luxury, if it is a luxury, I don't know, to be mm-hmm. able to procrastinate for longer and then just put all you have into it and it still works out. Of course, I know that this can also be stressful and I've seen you be very stressed <laughs> in these situations. <laughs> but the yeah. fact is that, yes, you are able to do it. So, um, yeah. And of course, the the uh, learning curve for me was to see to also of course acknowledge that sometimes it is too late yeah i mean that sometimes that, that there is a limit to it and and i think that you know it's very difficult to find that limit and i think the yeah i mean i've because i've very 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 rarely experienced this limit i mean there is only one real huge example that comes to mind where I realized that that you know I didn't get the quality I could have gotten otherwise but that was because it was also very much at the start of working with understanding this yeah. part of me and that was when I was doing a competition when I was about I don't know 18 or something like that and I realized that I was truly suboptimally prepared mm-hmm. for that mm-hmm. and that there are also I think it was also the realization that I mean that is very specific to 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 you know, piano playing as as the thing you are disciplined for, that there are certain levels of high-pressure situations where you just need the comfort of repetition and time on your side to, to get the level of comfort that you might otherwise be able to get in a, a, a tiny bit lower-pressure situation with just, you know, less time or less preparation. Yeah. Yes, but I mean, speaking about piano, I, I want to say that uh, gr- as I grew and as I got older... I have become more careful with that. When I was younger, mm. I, I think you probably remember there were recitals where I told you, yeah, I'm just, you know, looking at the piece today. You know, I'm just mm. uh, repeating it today. And yes, it's possible. It's not a problem at all to do that if you know the piece well. But mm. now I've 
I've become more careful. And I think it's also because of experiences, because I've also had my fair share of experiences of what it feels like to be prepared, let's say 80%, 90%, and 100%. Mm-hmm. And when it comes to learning a piano concerto, for example, which is mm-hmm. in, in a way, let's say, the height of what you have to perform on stage, um, I, would, I would have situations in the past where I would really learn it last minute. And I've really stopped doing that. I won't go and play a piano concert if I can help it, if it's not a replacement concert that I've yeah. learned last minute. Because yeah. I think it's wonderful that you mentioned this right now because Stop I'm it. playing a piano concert <laughs> next week that I'm so learning last minute. So it's just real helpful, helpful comment at this point in time. No, I mean, I, I yeah, I get it. And, and you know, and, this and is I, something I, that interestingly enough, our teacher, um, Las, Las Vogt, also told me at one point, he told me, I used to be such a last minute preparer and I don't do it anymore. I don't know if he's mm. had that conversation with you as well, maybe. But he mm. told me, if I have a piano concerto, I'm going to start learning that in time. I'm just going to do myself the favor and, yeah. and do that. And I mean, of course, and that's in the end, that is the reason why, I mean, for all the luck that I have that that I you know, I I have the ability to access this spike of energy and spike of competence in a way that saves me despite having procrastinated. That, of course, the psychological comfort does not come no matter how mm, big the spike yeah. of, of, of yeah. genius is in that moment. You know, like yeah. the psychological comfort remains only accessible with the time and the like, you know, more steady preparation or at least a certain level of psychological comfort. Obviously, you you know, at some point you you trust your abilities, you know that you've prepared in a way that you can work and then you, 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 you get comfort in your experience of knowing that it worked in the past. But it's still a very different type of comfort once it's gone through, you know, some mm. iterations of practicing and of, 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 um, of, you know, playing the piece or something. So, so, so and, and the, oh, sorry. <laughs> so, and, and the other thing is that, and I mean, that happens every time where then I get into this, because there is always this tipping point of urgency that, that, you know, jumpstarts this level of being able to, to, to focus. And I've always been kind of frustrated about two things the one thing that I've been frustrated about is of course the fact that this level of urgency does not feel comfortable at all it feels massively uncomfortable Mm -hmm. it is very I mean I used the word panic in the beginning because it absolutely has elements of panic elements of just like how am I going to do it how am I going to how am I going to you know like very panicky um and that's the the frustrating thing being that I I sometimes get this this feeling of I should know better, you know, especially when I could have practiced it earlier on. You know, sometimes it's it's a wonderful ability to have when you cannot have the time because then, you know, the urgency is going to work in my favor. So, you know, that frustrates me. But then the other thing that frustrates me, and that's the one that, you know, I would love to explore, but I've yet to find a solution for it, is that I have tried to access this level of, let's just say, ability in a scenario where the urgency was not there. Like knowing, okay, I still have, you know, I don't know, a month. Let me sit down and already learn this piece. So I'm, and it just, there is just, it's, it's as if I have no access to it. Like this, it's, I have no access to this side of me up to now. Like this level of competence yeah. and ability. Does not, and mm. then I've realized that that also makes the, practicing sure it's it's more comfortable and it's more relaxed but it is also i don't know more boring in a way <laughs> like, no, I, I totally <laughs> understand what you're saying because the question that i wanted to ask before was so where does motivation actually come from 
And of course, as mm. you've already said, you know, you said panic, whatever. It comes from a sense of urgency. It, you know, it comes when a goal is approaching. I think that's the number one motivator. Mm -hmm. And for me as well, of course, I practice differently if I have a concert approaching in two days uh, or in compared mm -hmm. to when I have it in a month. So mm. I think that's clear. And I don't think there is anything that can change that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think it's once again about embracing the process and embracing the fact that yes, your practice will be more relaxed and, as you said, maybe boring <laughs> because <laughs> you don't have to, you know, finish the entire piece by the end of the day. But then mm. I focus on the fact that now, okay, that what I've learned is going to go into my subconscious and it's going to, mm. um, you know, really marinate in there and mm. uh, become part of my brain in a different type yeah. of way. So. This yeah. is then what I focus on. But um, it is different. And I think, once again, it's about changing your perspective and not expecting this genius energy spike practice in that moment, but being super happy with just the fact that you're practicing and preparing in advance. Um, and, of course, yeah. another yes. thing is yeah. creating goals for yourself. I, I mean, that's something that mm. as pianists we learn very early on that if we just create a date where we play the piece for a friend or for each other, yeah. you know, that, of, yes, course, of course, is of course. an extra yeah, yeah, motivator. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. yeah. But yes. um, connected to this, you know, where does a motivation come from? I, I googled a little bit before we started the podcast and I found this um, Harvard study that was done mm -hmm. on motivation and I found it interesting it has like five facts that were um, discovered it says five facts about motivation that are often misunderstood and it's mm -hmm. talking about intrinsic motivation this is the term that they've used intrinsic motivation basically being not you know okay I have an exam the next day and I'm under pressure but just naturally what we would say like being a natural mot a naturally motivated yeah. person yeah And um, so the, the first fact is uh, that, that they say is motivation comes from a set of neurochemical networks that develop over time as a result of the experiences we have. So it's a misconception right. that some people just are naturally born motivated or born unmotivated. Mm, motivation mm -hmm, is mm -hmm. formed in our childhood. Mm -hmm. And it says science shows that the nature of caregiving relationships and opportunities for safe exploration that we provide young children affect the development of these systems. So, And these systems is dopamine serotonin, right? Yes, it's, it, it, this is yeah, not yeah, yeah. detailed here, but yes, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that uh, that's yeah, what it yeah, is. Yeah. And I thought that was very interesting that the way mm. we raise our children creates a motivated or unmotivated child. Yeah. I mean... I totally agree with that. And I mean, that totally ties, you know, I'm currently sometimes watching this podcast or like clips by, I mean, I've sent you some of Andrew Huberman, mm -hmm. who is this um, neuroscientist that very accessibly explains um, both the already existing research on like dopamine and serotonin in the body, as well as I think is doing like his own research is very much focused around dopamine. And I mean, some of the new research that he's done, or at least the information that he's presented is so, so interesting um, in terms, because it, 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 what it does, it, it actually shows you the degree of influence you have um, in those systems that, feel very intangible and feel very yeah. hard to influence and kind of yeah. with what ways you can influence them and that they're just also much more influenceable than maybe we uh, we 
face or accept when we are down yeah, or I mean, unmotivated. Th- just the simple fact that motivation is not something you're born with, but is created during childhood makes me think that you can also reprogram it uh, in your yes. brain. Just like, you know, you might learn other behavioral behavior patterns when you're a child yes. and you can also yes. reprogram yes. those. Little, little side, uh, f- little side comment into, you know, that is also exactly the, like the relationship of those hormones and how it relates to motivation and maybe also like eradication of addiction and things. It's also about making psychedelic research so mm-hmm. exciting because of the increased neuroplasticity in the brain yeah. on psychedelics. So anyways, by the way, because you mentioned, uh, you know, treating addiction, I just wanted to say that the, the third fact that this uh, study mentions is that that addictions, any kind of substance addictions, divert motivation systems and require more than just willpower, you know, because everyone says, oh, don't you have enough willpower to overcome? So an addiction, a substance addiction, be it like alcoholism or anything else, Mm. just really messes with this motivation aspect of your brain. And but when they say needs more than willpower, what do they mean? Like medical intervention or... or Well, is- it, it says here, addictions chemically hijack the basic biological systems that have evolved for optimal survival. Addiction does not reflect a simple lack of conscious effort or a failure of character. Managing addictions mm-hmm. requires blocking these chemical diversions below the conscious level. So yes, blocking the chemical diversion would mean somehow stopping that part of your brain chemically, whether it is, of course, not taking the substance that much because that also creates the chemical yeah, diversion. Yeah. Because um, or doing a medical would thing I have, depends on the addiction, would, I would say. Would I have read about or heard about um, like the successful diversion of addic- uh, successful eradication of addiction programs, also, for example, the 12 Steps program mm-hmm. for alcoholism, which is very successful, is that what it needs is a kind of actually like a spiritual awakening of mm-hmm. some kind. Um, like in, in, in the 12 steps program, I think it, it's more of like a religious, like it kind of says, accept that you are under the authority of God or yeah. I, I, look, like a higher purpose. This. I'm not entirely sure. Yeah. But a higher, pur- you're right. Yeah. Or, and which is again, why, you know, I obviously the most I know about this is comes from the perspective of the psychedelic research, which also, you know, like these meaningful spiritual experiences um, bringing about I don't know, the, the jumpstart ability to stop taking the substance that it stops yeah. hijacking your I, dopamine. I just think it's uh, interesting that you systems. cannot you cannot expect from a person that is an addict to whatever to understand motivation the way we do who mm. are not addicted. So that's very like, interesting for me, you know, if I try to speak to someone who is addicted to someone, mm-hmm. just the perspective is so different from mine and I need to understand that the brain just works differently. But my my immediate uh, question and thought would be, um, aren't we, uh, first of all, aren't we all kind of addicted to certain things? And this is just like a general question, but especially focused on like our generation, aren't we, for example, all addicted to our phones, right. addicted to connection, social engaging, social media, things like that. And and I mean, I, I am also feeling the you know, the repercussions of it in the morning, I'll wake up and I might check my phone first or check it before yeah. I go to bed or just check it throughout the day. Um, thank God I've, I'm not particularly um, easily addicted to like Instagram likes or things like that. Like mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. find that more exhausting than anything else. Like I'm, you know, this like Insta scrolling is not my pitfall, reward, yeah. but my pitfall is definitely like YouTube clips, videos, mm, um, same series, yeah. movies, whatever things like that. Yeah. So uh, you know, I was and yet we. I was I was thinking about 
that this because also this is of course a uh, something that uh, you know hampers your motivation this whole mm. addicted to the screen i would say and yeah, um, yeah. this is really something that has been going through my mind quite a lot lately because i feel like somehow i've gotten worse <laughs> with mm-hmm. the screen and i don't know exactly why there there is no reason but i feel like i really cannot go if if i don't do anything else if i'm not practicing or you know reading yeah. something or having a conversation if i'm alone i cannot go like half an hour without the screen even if mm. i'm like alone cooking i'll do it you know while i'm listening to something or watching something um mm. If I'm in bed, as you say, whoa, big one, you know, <laughs> with, mm-hmm. the, with the phone. And I definitely feel that it's a lack of motivation. And now um, that I'm in the US and I haven't activated roaming, I realize uh-huh. how amazing my life is mm-hmm. when I'm outside and I don't have internet. I don't have internet mm-hmm. access. It's just, it's freeing. It's really so Yeah, freeing. I mean, I remember, I, 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 like the few times sometimes when... Um, I go like to buy groceries with my boyfriend and we just go on a walk together. Mm-hmm. I'll leave my phone in his apartment and I'll, I mean, it's like for 35 minutes or something. Yeah. Yeah. And it don't, does Don't get feel, too crazy. <laughs> I mean, like, like 40 minutes. Yeah. I mean, like, but I, I, I mean, the sense of freedom yeah. absolutely is there. However, and that is, I mean, that brings us to a whole other like current thing that is going through my, my mind or like with this new experience is that when... I'm not, let's just say, with the person mm-hmm. who maybe in that moment I crave to be with the most. Um, the idea, because in a way, your phone is not just, okay, there is screen, there is this or that, but it's also the potential for a human connection that oh, maybe you desire, I right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, and, and, and that can be anything from... Um, a message, friendship, a uh, career, email, uh, flirtation, or whatever, right? So if you are, the more happy you are with your current standard and the more like, the less cravings you have for any of that, you're set. Like you don't want your phone. But I've experienced situations, for example, when, I don't know, I'm, I'm wanting to connect with my boyfriend or if I've wanted to connect with someone, a guy, a friend, a person, or I'm waiting for an email or whatever, mm-hmm. and then I put my phone aside, that I experience this anxiety, what if it happens now and I, do, and I don't reply or, or you know, oh, like maybe it's happened right now, okay. maybe, maybe right now I've gotten the message or maybe right now I've gotten the email or this and this has happened. So um, that to me is the addictive potential of the phone that I find harder to shut off. So different from my addictive potential to the phone because I don't care about that. I, as you know, I have my phone on silent all the time, not even on vibration. I I don't even know when someone's calling me unless I'm seeing it. I just generally always call people back and I don't get notifications when a message comes. So I don't really care about that aspect. To me, it's really this, I mean, it sounds so bad when I say it, but, you know, holding the phone in my hand, scrolling through, as you say, YouTube mm. or something like that, just really wasting time. And I feel mm. it, you know, when I haven't been at the phone or as I said, now I'm outside in the city in the US without internet access, enjoying it, thinking how great my life is. The second I come back into the hotel room, I do a 20 minute phone session with nothing really important, or it might be intertwined, you know, yes, I'll reply to one or two emails, but also I'll watch a video, Mm -hmm. you know, and Mm -hmm. 
I was really thinking this has become scary. <laughs> and I know mm. we're not the only ones, of course. I know that probably 90% of the people on this planet are like that. And mm. I definitely think this hampers motivation. And I have a couple of systems in place, daily rituals to somehow avoid that. As you know, when I wake up, I do my five minute journal. You know, I don't yeah. try to dive yeah. into um, yeah. uh, the phone immediately and things like that. Also, before I go to bed, I try not to do it. And of course, it's much easier, as you already said, if, when I'm with my boyfriend, because we just talk and then good night instead of being alone mm -hmm. and scrolling yourself mm -hmm. to sleep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh -huh. um, But I think that this is something that um, our society is struggling with and our young kids slash my young kids will yeah. struggle with uh, a lot. And we definitely need to combat that and just, you know, have systems in place. Maybe put your phone on sleep mode from, let's say, 8 p.m. onwards, something like that. I know then, yes, your friends cannot message you. That's a problem. But there have yeah, to be I mean, ways to it, deal with It depends with that. a bit. I mean, yeah, I mean, the, 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 the phone one is so, so difficult because now everything is in that phone. Yeah. You know, it like it, 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 it's uh, it has completely, um, you know, like put in one Uh, activity, screen time, yeah, <laughs> let's yeah. just say, things that you have to do, yeah. information that you need access to, things that are, you know, simply for your enjoyment, yeah. things that could be addictive. I mean, it's everything in one thing. So it's very hard to say, for example, when people say limit screen time to three hours. Yeah. If your work is building houses, sure, because then you're maybe, you know, you're owning yeah, your food yeah. for email, for, on your phone for emails and then enjoyment. But if your work is, I don't know, computer analytica, mm -hmm, <laughs> then yeah. like, you know, your job is on your phone. So, um, yeah, but it's still, very difficult. There are, of course, gradations to it. And for example, I Absolutely. know for myself that when I am planning on having a very productive practice session, I leave my phone out of it. This is just something that I yeah. consciously do. And I, I mean, put it I away, have, like away from yeah, the channel. Yeah. Whereas when I mean, I'm just chilling and I literally scroll through my phone while I'm practicing and that's always horrible. Yeah. I mean, generally speaking, most of the times that's exactly how it would work for me as well. I have had this weird experience and maybe that's because I don't know I'm like sometimes too far gone or something it's even more important to put the phone away where I have put the phone away and it has resulted in less concentration and more kind of you know like imagining exactly. what could have been happening in these 45 <laughs> minutes that I haven't looked at the yeah. phone and then like I go back and then I look at it and then it's like you know like for example I recently had this ex experience with I fasted for a week um and And of course, there was the consequence of like this new understanding of how little you actually need food compared to how much you think you need it. Mm -hmm. um, and and of course, there was this 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 kind of um, shift of perspective towards that. I was so amazed to see that you know genu genuinely hunger was not the problem. Appetite and the psychological side of it was what was rough to deal with. Not hunger or like your body's mm -hmm. weakening or something like that. However, when the fasting week was over alongside the consequence of the beautiful new understanding of my body was also the kind of revenge craving situation yeah where like suddenly i was like finally i can eat something yeah. and then da -da 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 -da, you know and and it, it didn't go haywire but i i noticed that there was also this tendency to overcorrect because of discipline which brings us to i think a quite interesting maybe last uh idea or last thought about it which is like um 
you know, like the, the I don't know, I, I suppose the dark side of discipline or <laughs> the dark side, which is not, and I'm not talking about motivation here, but like about discipline, which in my mind is, are two way, are two things. Either it's this overcorrection where like, you know, and, and I've seen that in people that, you know, kind of force themselves and maybe like are disciplined without motivation and mm -hmm. just kind of really, really mm -hmm. grind through it where then you overcorrect and you like completely blast yourself off in a club somewhere. I don't know, take drugs, right. wipe out yeah, and you're yeah, like, yeah. Oh, okay, now I'm okay. Where it's like, this is not the way. Like you need a balance mm -hmm. in it. And then, but that's maybe more like the, I don't know, archetypal uh, archetypal student way of dealing with discipline. Like mm -hmm. you write your uh, PhD and then you completely, you know, phase out for a week but then I think that there are these people that where I would say the downside being just a real rigidity in their ability to enjoy themselves mm -hmm. like you lose your ability to have enjoyment from anything else other than achievement yeah and I think that 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 is connected to whether you enjoy the process as you said or whether you just do it stoically, you know, whether you just mm. do it to do it. And I just want to get back to this Harvard study because that's exactly the, the, the point that they make in the, in the next mm. one, which is that um, they say that um, the best way to sustain motivation is not rewards and punishment. So you're mm -hmm. not going to get motivated by, yes, always getting the reward, whether that is making your goal and all of that. But the best thing to achieve sustained and productive motivation is to balance intrinsically motivating activities. So, for example, creative problem solving, playful learning, and have positive feedback with that. So mm -hmm. this basically is, you know, when learning is fun, when learning is creative and problem solving is creative, which, of course, makes it stimulating to our brain. And mm -hmm. I think this is why we really need to find ways um, to make the task, whatever task that is that we have to motivate ourselves about, make it fun. And with piano practice, what comes to mind is, you know, not always doing the same exercise, for example, but changing mm -hmm. it up. Um, this is what I also always tell, uh, you know, people when I'm teaching them or when I'm, you know, doing these piano tut tutorials. Um, mm -hmm. Don't do the same exercise every day. Do different mm. ones to keep it fun, keep it interesting. Or, you know, learn it in a way that is fun. And also for children, you know, as we know, we, when we teach children something and if they learn it in a fun way because they're interested in it, they will learn it of so course. much faster uh, compared yeah, yeah. to when they're reluctant to learn it. So I think the mm -hmm. way to avoid that thing that you mentioned, where you just stoically do what you have to do and become this rigid person that doesn't enjoy anything, is to make the process fun. Mm -hmm. I totally agree I mean at this point I have to say that at some point I mean it, practicing became genuinely fun for me of course a very right. different yeah. type of yeah. fun than for example lounging around watching a debate clip on YouTube fun <laughs> but it became um, it, 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 it has become fun but still despite I mean I have to say that sometimes and, and this is the this is the part that you know like frustrates me because it seems like such a weird si default system of our brain maybe it's not default but it seems default to me it's the situation where I I have experienced multiple times situations where I felt 
empty maybe you know within a week where maybe it wasn't a stressful week i didn't have to practice or i yeah. didn't have to prepare or anything like that and i felt this increasing sense of emptiness and disorientation and maybe like you know slightly less uh, fulfillment and i know that if i sat down on the piano and i practiced two hours i'd get that rush of what I assume to be dopamine or serotonin, this hit of inspiration, and then I would feel better. Or I know, I don't know, going out for a walk would make me feel better. Like I know these things because I have experienced them enough times in the past to know that it is reliable. However, still, because I don't have to do it or because in that moment there is, I don't know, an episode to watch or maybe I'm just I'm genuinely uh, feeling disoriented about something different. Something there is that's generally, you know, uh, kind of bothering me in my life in the moment. And I know that this would be a way to address it. Practice, do something good. It's going to make you feel better. I find it very, very hard to just do it. Like there is a huge effort involved mm. to do the thing that is, I know is going to make me feel yeah. better. I mean, and this is just I don't know very difficult is, to understand. I don't know if this is helpful, but I've talked about this with you already. You know, the five second rule which is another mm, um, mm -hmm. thing that I read about many years ago and that really resonated with me, which basically says if you are exactly in that situation where you know you should be doing something, you know it's better for you, you know all of that, but somehow you're procrastinating, then do it right now. And, uh, mm -hmm. you know, don't say I'll do it in half an hour because chances mm -hmm. are that then you won't do it at all. There is this... This mm -hmm. line that you, when you overstep it, you don't do it at all. And you can also feel it inside of you on such days. You know, once a certain line is crossed, you know, okay, that's it. Now it's too late. I'm not even going to start. So the five second rule basically says that if you know you have something to do, just count out to five, count out loud. Yeah. One, two, yeah. three, four, five, and then just do it. And mm -hmm. this I found very powerful. And I see it so often in people around me when I tell them, can you please do that? And they reply is, yeah, sure, I'll do it later. I already know, yeah, it's not going to happen. And mm -hmm. I, you know, and then I say, yeah, but are you actually, can you just do it right now? No, not now, later. And just the not now, later is the first step towards never, <laughs> or at least, you know, never yeah. today. So I think that can be helpful to me. It has been very helpful. And I know that, uh, especially when I was younger, I would always tell myself, I'm not a talker, I'm a doer. I would say it out loud. Like, I'm not someone that just says I'll do it. Mm. I'm a doer. I actually do it. And I would just go one, mm. two, three, four, five, do it. Because, as you know, once you do the first step, everything else falls into place. It's just about yeah, starting. I mean, the start yeah, the is step. the hardest. The yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah for sure. Yeah, no, it's 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 a good um <laughs> it's a good tip. It's a good tip and, and I mean the in the end of course I think that I remember growing up it, it always felt like this weird thing like I always felt bad because I felt like talent or ability or intelligence or you know mindful efficiency is something that you either have or don't have or like it's more something that you either have or don't have discipline is something that you are in control of and I always felt bad because I felt like okay because of also these spikes that I was talking about before yeah. I seem to have ability and 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 intelligence to to do it but I lack the thing that other people that is the influenceable one but I have come to Uh, thing and also you made also give myself some compassion or some understanding that discipline is also something that people have in varying degrees or 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 the 
you know, effort, the level of effort it takes to be a certain degree of discipline is also something, it's something that, that you're raised to have, let's say. That you learn to have. In, I mean, just like to have as with so many things, right? I mean, what type of person you are is so often for Yeah, yeah, of course, of yeah. course. But, but I'm trying to say that it's not as simple to, as to say this is something you're in complete control of. Intelligence no. is something you're not in control yeah, of. The yeah. same way that you can also, you know, either um, hone your skills and your intelligence and, and you know, like uh, 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 voluntarily... Uh, confront your mind with challenging situations and make it better exactly. and get, become you know more intelligent or more quick in some way yeah. um you can you know you you and despite the fact that you have maybe a certain level of intelligence to begin with i think it's the same with discipline and um and that you know maybe if people approached it with less you know, you should be able to have it. And if not, you're lazy. Maybe people should approach it with, okay, here are strategies yes. to better yourself at this skill, which is a skill that can be worked on um, with other ways than just sit down and do it. You know? Definitely. I, I totally, totally agree. And of course, this is something that also goes through my head a lot when thinking about my children, mm. because of course I want to give them good tools and good strategies yeah. for their life yeah. in order to be able to succeed. And um, yeah, it's something that goes through my mind often. And it's so great that it's the two of us that are in their lives, you know, two very different people <laughs> when it comes to motivation that can um, maybe help them both in their own ways. Especially because I think you and your boyfriend are very very similar We're similar exactly types. yeah yeah exactly. yeah 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 so it's so, very good that we true. have the aunt kiveli influence you mean just <laughs> simply the less disciplined influence that has understanding <laughs> no, for said, that no it's not the less disciplined though it's it's different <laughs> which which already sure. brings me I, I think we're we're kind of done with the yeah with yeah, the, yeah. Uh, this part right so um which already brings me to the story that uh okay i want to cool. tell about you because at the end of the episode, in case anyone remembers, because we haven't done the podcast for a decade. Um, <laughs> at the end, we always tell a story about each other connected to the subject. So my story about you is one where um, I don't remember, remember exactly when it was, maybe a, a two years ago, a year ago or two years. Um, I remember that you had to prepare a concert um, and you were incredibly late with with learning the pieces um and it was at a point and it was I, I was very impressed by it because it was at a point where i think any sane person would have canceled um i think including me by the way because mm -hmm. you were at a point where i think it was the day before the first rehearsal and I, maybe like noon <laughs> and <laughs> you you didn't have the pieces um and <laughs> and i just in my mind i thought okay it's 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 can canceling time um <laughs> and you and that's where your extreme motivation kicks in you didn't even see canceling as an option. I remember we talked about it because it was at a, a, an extreme time where you also flew to Athens because our yeah, I great know yeah. uncle um, was sick and we thought, oh, is it maybe the last time that you'll see him? And you even fitted that into your day um, <laughs> and came to see him in Athens. And I remember we had this conversation and I said, you know, you can just cancel it because it's, it wasn't like the most important concert ever. Mm. And you were like, 
basically saying canceling is not an option. You know, you were like, no, of course I'm not going to cancel it. And basically you practiced through the night, yeah. literally not <laughs> sleeping, practiced through the night and just went there and, and did it and, and, and managed mm. to do it. And I found that very impressive because in that urgent situation, your motivation is just skyrocketing <laughs> to heights that are higher than the naturally motivated person. So that's, yeah. that's I my mean, that story. Was, the, the, I remember, I mean, that was, to this day, I think this is the most extreme learning experience I ever had. But it was, one has to say that it was for me, obviously, this is not something I make a habit of practicing through the yeah, night yeah. for something. But the reason why it ended up being that way was because two things happened unexpectedly. The first thing was that one, you know, whole free practice day. As you said, I went to, to, to Athens to see our great uncle because it looked like for a second that that might be my last chance. Thank God it, it wasn't. I mean, he's still yeah. very much alive and well today. Um, so that was one whole day gone. And then the other thing was that the rehearsal was pushed forward a day, kind of without being able to push it back, which means that what I had expected to be three days became... Literally one, one day and yeah. the next day was traveling day. And, um, and, and, and yeah, I mean, that was extreme. And I remember like I, I, I practiced, as you said, I practiced through the night and then I, I slept one hour in the night. And then I remember I planned I'm going to go and I'm going to sleep after the rehearsal. And then I remember I, I, I literally I knew which pieces would be done in which rehearsal. So I only practiced the pieces for the next rehearsal. <laughs> and then I learned the piece for the rehearsal the next day. I mean, it was it for like three, four days. I was out of like normal time zones. But um, I remember that. Yeah. Well, I felt that <laughs> was very impressive. impressive. <laughs> so my story about you is just I, I'm not sure exactly what it is is it, is it if it was discipline or it is just the sense of the level of joy you get from from doing the the responsible thing but it was we were quite young and I, I might have said the story already on the podcast I don't know if I did but it's one of my favorite stories about you because it's just insane like no one would ever say that and um <laughs> We were in San Diego and um, and there was the premiere of maybe, I don't know, the fifth, I think, Harry Potter movie happening in L.A. And now we both loved Harry Potter. Arguably, I loved it a bit more. And I was like, you know, Daniel Radcliffe was my first celebrity crush. Maybe it was Harry Potter. I'm not sure. At that time, <laughs> those two people were interchangeable in my mind. But um, people, those two entities, <laughs> Harry Potter. In any case, um, and... Our dad had offered to drive us to L.A. to be there at the premiere. I mean, of course, I mean, I was so young in my mind, being there meant meeting Daniel Radcliffe right, in a way. Right. And I, I suppose in your in your mind, kind of too, it was like, okay, we're going to go there and, and see those three see those three celebrities, you know, like Daniel Radcliffe, Emma Watson and Rupert Grin. And, and I remember that our dad had said, Oh, yeah, of course, like, we can go to L.A. Let's do a day trip out of it. It's just two hours away from San Diego. And I went to you and I said, oh, my God, we can drive to L.A. <laughs> and you had just sat at the piano and you were like, yeah, but we haven't practiced yet today. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? I mean, we practice every day. There is nothing urgent going on here right now. Like we would just practice the piece for the 13th time this week. What are you talking about? Let's go. And you're like, Kiveli, come on. Would you rather practice or meet Daniel Radcliffe? And I'm like, 
What are you talking about? There is no question. What do you mean would I rather practice or see Daniel Radcliffe? I would rather see Daniel Radcliffe. Hello? And you were like, and, and I remember you told me that thinking that you'd kind of found the kill-all <laughs> argument. You were like, come on, Kiveli. Would you rather practice or meet Daniel Radcliffe? I really and I was thought like, that this was a... A great way to put it into perspective. <laughs> and I mean, in that moment, I thought you were an alien. I was like, uh, this is like literally there. there's like, no, this, like, what are you talking about? And yeah, in the, the end, I, we didn't go, but for like a different reason. I don't remember. Yeah. I think, oh, yeah, my dad kind of realized. I, I, I don't know what it was. I mean, we wouldn't yeah. have met Daniel Radcliffe anyway in that scenario. <laughs> but I just remember. It was the clarity with which your priority was sitting down and just practicing this etude another time instead of meeting a celebrity, you know. And, and it was a very enjoyable situation. I remember I was, this is, yeah, like, it was fun. You don't understand me at all <laughs> in that moment. Like, you're weird. But yeah, that's just the level of, obviously, you know, practice. Just, Let's do that open <laughs> loving one, one more time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So cool. um, I think that brings this episode to a uh, to an entertaining conclusion. Yes. And um, I've, I mean, now that we've uh, we've you know, let's hope that the editing process will be smooth. And now that we've uh, been able to find a way to edit remotely, I suppose that um, we'll be able to record the next episode sooner rather than later. I suppose so as well. <laughs> yeah, nice. yeah so thanks for listening and we'll see you again in our next episode see you next time bye, bye. you're listening to the sister trail with danai and kiveli <laughs> <laughs>